Governor Kathy Hochul thrust reading comprehension into the Albany policy debate this year when she proposed a $10 million commitment in her budget to get, quote unquote, back to basics as it pertains to literacy education in schools. The spotlight is welcome news for the Education Trust New York, which is part of a campaign to promote early literacy through evidence-based instruction and holistic support for kids in and out of school. For more on this early literacy campaign, as well as the governor's proposal, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Jeff Smink, Interim Executive Director for the Education Trust New York. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined in the studio by Jen O'Connor, the group's Director of Partnerships and Early Childhood Policy. Welcome back to the show, Jen. Hi there. Well, based on the state's current somewhat disjointed approach to teaching reading in schools, what sort of reading comprehension skills have students demonstrated in recent years, Jeff? Yeah, so the outcomes across the state have been really alarming. So if you look at the latest round of state testing on the ELA portion, we had less than half of all third graders were reading proficiently, significantly less when we look at students from low-income backgrounds. In places like my hometown of Rochester, we had about 15% of third graders reading proficiently. And that's problematic for a number of reasons. One, we know that being able to read proficiently by the end of third grade is, is really one of the most important indicators of future student success. And research is clear that actually 95% of all kids can learn to read when they get the right support. So we've got a huge disconnect, right, when we have places where over 80% of kids are not reading, but we know that that 90% of them are capable of it. So we have a huge challenge across New York and um, really excited that the governor is starting to talk about it and others are talking about it, but it's been a problem for a while and we really need to address it. Well, you mentioned that this has been a problem for a while. So does that mean the recent testing figures that you just highlighted are not an anomaly and that there have been, say, problematic trends even before uh, the pandemic? Pandemic certainly exacerbated it. But yeah, this has been a problem well before the pandemic. And really, it's, it's you know unfortunate that it's taken so long to prioritize it because it is so foundational to everything, including fourth grade skills and and eighth grade skills and high school graduation. So it's been a huge issue. The pandemic has made it worse. But again, we're finally at a point where we have folks across the state, including the campaign that we're running, are really prioritizing it. Well, what is it about the way schools approach teaching reading skills that has resulted in such unsatisfactory results, at least recently? Yeah, it's really a combination of things. I think it starts with with expectations. And again, going back to what I just mentioned about 95% of kids being able to read and us not being, as a state, anywhere close to that. So it starts with with expectations, right? And we have to have that expectation that all kids can read with the right support. And the fact that we've been getting these outcomes without, you know, a lot of, of outrage or urgency sort of speaks to that lack of expectation. But then when it actually, when we get into the classroom, what we found, we, we put out a report last year, we called it Call to Action, which really looks at the state of early literacy instruction across New York and found that many schools, many districts across the state are using unproven methods of teaching, what's called balanced literacy, which is, is, is a technique of, of learning that, again, has been proven not to work as far as teaching kids how to read. We also found, and some of our national partners have found, that teacher preparation programs, right? So colleges that prepare teachers to teach are not preparing teachers how to teach following the science. 
Now, when you say something is proven not to work, does that mean that there might be anecdotal records of success or that some kids are learning in a certain way, but more broadly, there are kids who are left behind by the methods utilized in some districts? You know, as I mentioned, there's a, a form of instruction called balanced literacy that really relies more on surrounding kids with books and less on teaching things like phonics and how to really decode words. And, you know, the evidence behind that has been body at best. There's very little evidence that it follows the science. We can come back to kind of what the science of reading is. And so, so what, what ends up happening in a lot of districts across the state is that all students are struggling, not just you know, your students from low-income backgrounds. But what I've seen, you know, as a parent of, of kids in school is that a lot of parents will end up getting private tutoring for their kids if they're struggling, right? And they'll, they'll learn to read that way if they're not getting what they need in school. And unfortunately, a lot of students across the state and parents don't have access to that kind of private tutoring. And so that's where you get, you know, those gaps that we're talking about when it comes to, to reading outcomes. Well, then moving forward, Jeff, what is the right prescription for New York State schools? Yeah, so it starts with it starts at the teacher preparation level, right? Um, we've got to make sure that when teachers come out of teacher preparation program, they know how to teach reading aligned with the science. And right now we have teachers through no fault of their own, right, are coming into school without those skills. And what happens, unfortunately, is then school districts have to retrain them, right, which costs money. It takes time. It's particularly difficult when teachers have been teaching a certain way for 20, 25 years, and and then they have to change. So it starts there. From there, we've got to make sure that we're using evidence-based curriculum and instructional resources that are aligned with the science of reading. And so there's a lot of ways to do that. Some states have, have mandated it, that districts have to choose from a list of, of evidence-based curricula. Uh, New York is, is sort of resistant to that due to uh, our local control mantra, but, but there's ways around that. Things can happen outside of school and before school, right? There's a lot that parents can do. There's a lot that summer programs can do, tutoring programs can do. Um, so it's going to take all of us, but it starts with those three or four things. Well, Jen, how do the priorities espoused by the Education Trust New York and your campaign partners compare to the governor's so-called Back to Basics initiative? So we're absolutely thrilled with the governor's attention to this issue and her investment of $10 million for professional development for in-service teachers. That will cover about 26,000 educators across the state, but that's only a third of all teachers. So we're asking the legislature to add an additional $20 million to their one-house bills um, to cover all educators across the state. And it's my understanding that the governor is proposing that the $10 million she has outlined to date will flow through the teachers' union. Does that make sense as opposed to going to local school districts? I think we're totally fine with that $10 million flowing through NYSIT. We would um, encourage any additional funding to possibly go through community-based organizations to also be spent or allow school districts to use it on updating their curriculum. So it could be used for a couple of different purposes. And are there any parts of the governor's plan that you don't like? If the Education Trust New York got to write the budget language, is this what you would have written down? I think it's a really solid start. 
But I think we need to go a little farther than the governor has. I mean, we know that investing in early literacy is a poverty reduction strategy. We know that investing in the first five years, in addition to elementary grades, is also important. And so we are supporting additional legislation to invest in those earliest years, which is a little different than the current strategy. And in terms of prioritizing kids, is this something where resources should flow to high-need school districts first? Or is this something where, as Jeff sort of spelled out, this is a problem that doesn't just hit one race, ethnicity, or demographic? So any effort to turn around the reading comprehension skills of New Yorkers needs to be widely applied. I think it's both. I think, you know, we recognize certainly we're in, you know, limited, there's limited financial support out there. So in that case, I think it does make sense to target this to tiny districts, places like Rochester, right, where almost nine out of 10 kids are not reading. So I think you're going to get, be able to support more, more kids that way. So, so I think we would prioritize, you know, starting out with high needs districts. But, but as as you said, it, it does hit across all school districts, really across, you know, across New York State. Well, Jeff, the campaign we've been talking about is not something that can take effect overnight. So, if I'm a parent and I want to make a meaningful difference in my kids' reading comprehension skills as soon as possible, what would your advice be for them in terms of how they promote literacy at home? What sort of attributes or practices should they be highlighting if it's not as simple as putting a bunch of books in their room? You know, there's so many different things that parents can do, and really so much of it is so simple. A lot of it is really just speaking with your kid, you know, having what's called back-and-forth interactions where you're engaging with your with your child. And that can really do things like boost vocabulary. And reading to kids is helpful, right? So again, the more you can surround kids with books, surround them in, with language-rich interactions, that's going to help them when they get to school. Another thing that we're really pushing is making sure that schools are, are sharing with parents about their child's progress in reading. Right now, in a lot of places, parents will not get information about their child's reading progress until third grade, right, when they get that first third grade ELA assessment score. We want to make sure that districts are providing parents with regular updates starting in kindergarten about whether or not they're on grade level. And then when they get that information, they also need, you know, access to tools, right, things like what are the things that are going to help me or help my child improve their reading skills? And again, some of that is reading to the child. Some of the times it's using, you know, apps that are available to, to do that sort of work. Another one of our partners in the campaign is PBS, um, which has some great resources. So that's really the goal of the campaign is to, you know, provide some of those resources that parents can use, that the community partners can use to make sure both that kids, when they get to kindergarten, they're ready, but also when they're in school, that they're getting support, you know, really outside of school during the summer and all those times. So then thinking about what's in the governor's budget, as opposed to the larger investment that we've been talking about today, what are the realistic expectations that we could get, say, from $10 million and the governor's emphasis on so-called back-to-basics, Jeff? Is this something where we could expect to see the whole state turn around next year, or is this something that might have a more limited effect and might take a couple of years to actually see benefits? Mm-hmm. It's not an overnight thing. We're talking about 
some significant changes, right, in how we teach kids to learn. Um, so, and that's going to it's going to require changes in adult practice in the classroom. So, it's not going to be overnight. You know, our campaign is at least of a, a three-year initiative. So, it's going to take at least several years, I think, before we start to see see an impact. Um, you know, one thing though that I think is important is. Clearly, there's a state role, and you know we're, we're going to be pushing, as Jen said, to make some changes at the state level. But it's important to note that nothing is preventing districts from doing any of the things you know that we'd like to see them do, as far as alignment with the science of reading now. And several districts are doing this work. Um, Schenectady is one that comes to mind. So we'll also be pushing, you know, at the district level, right, and and trying to find out whether or not they're. Uh, instruction is aligned with the science, you know, really looking at their student outcomes. So it's going to be very much a two-pronged effort, right, both at the state level, but also at the district and community level. Yeah, you know, um, we are supporting um, Assemblymember Carroll and Senator Hoyleman Siegel's right to read legislation, and that starts with pre-K. We think that we are we know that we are one of the first states to really include pre-K in our early literacy legislation. And we're also focused on, like I said before, those first five years, because we know that that is when language development and cognition and attachment, the entire foundation for a child's future learning is set. So we are um, supportive of Senator Cooney's uh, recent introduction of legislation that would bring the Dolly Parton Imagination Library statewide. Um, and we are supportive of other initiatives like the Parent Child Plus Home Visiting Program that introduces early literacy into homes. So we are hopeful that New York State will really embrace kind of a zero to eight approach to early literacy. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have today. We've been speaking with the Education Trust New York's Jeff Smink and Jen O'Connor. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Support for the Capitol Press Room is provided by New York State United Teachers, a statewide union of nearly 700,000 professionals in education and health care.